Welcome back, our friends, to another episode of What's Next, where we're diving into the lives and careers uh, of former athletes. We're getting into their habits, tactics, lessons learned along the way, um, so you as a listener can can apply them to your day-to-day. Our guest today is Alex Miner Barron. He's a former Quinnipiac Bobcat, just like Kevin, Aunt Gary, and I, uh, and he played hockey there. He actually played some professional hockey after school um, and transitioned into what he's doing now as the founder, you know, CEO, he doesn't really call himself a certain label of alexminerbaron.com. It's a mind and body, he's a coach, uh, but he actually surrounded himself with an a awesome cast of characters from nutritionists, chefs, um, you know, psychologists, mind, body experts, uh, really just helping people become the best person, best version of themselves that they can. Uh, we really get into it with Alex. He, he talks, he was super candid with us, which we definitely appreciate. He talks about his battle of depression. And, and he got himself to a point where his life was going to go in, in two different directions. It was going to continue that spiral downward um, or he was going to invest in everything to, to bring himself out of it. So he talks about what his initial 28-day plan was when he looked himself in the mirror and said, you know, enough is enough. We need to improve this. And I think, you know, you guys will be able to take certain pieces from that, whether you're um, dealing with mental mental health issues yourself or, you know, you're just going through a rut. I think he, you know, you'll, t- you'll see he is... Um, super positive right now and it is a it's a contagious mindset for sure so i hope you guys enjoy it um also want to plug um you know some people that we're working with on next goal um it's a recruiting company that's actually helping place athletes into careers uh, so give them a check. We'll, we'll actually link them in our, our um, blog, but it's called Next Goal, N-E-X-G-O-L. Um, awesome guys. Gary and I talked to them. They're doing some great stuff for athletes, helping them get into careers. Uh, so give them a look. Uh, but this week, we are diving into this interview with Alex Minor Baron. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll see you next week. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of What's Next. Very excited. We've got a fellow Quinnipiac Bobcat on with us, um, Alex Miner Barron. Alex, welcome to the show, my man. Guys, thanks for having me on. I, I liked how this one came together. We actually got a um, an inbox from a, a kid we graduated with. He saw um, your retirement message on Facebook, and we had probably had a couple episodes out, four or five at the time. Um, and he was like, hey, you may not know this kid, but but get him on. Very cool story. So I messaged you, I think, that same day, and it's been a couple weeks yep. process of us just finding a right date, uh, and here we are. But um, you know, let's let's uh, give you the floor, kind of tell your story to that retirement piece, and then we'll dive into what you're doing now as founder of AlexMinerBaron.com. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, love the podcast. Uh, it's such a beautiful message I guess are spreading, and um, just want to really say thank you from the bottom of my heart. But my retirement story. Um, Long story short, you know, I had an opportunity to try out for the Kings affiliate team, uh, the American Hockey League for the Ontario Reign. It's about 15 minutes from my house. It's been an absolute dream to play there since I was a little kid. Um, And I had this really special moment in life where I was presented with the opportunity to continue playing hockey or continue down this new path as a a coach, a mentor, a guideline, uh, um, a story, an open book story for people to follow. And I felt like this message that I was able to deliver I'm delivering now was so much more powerful and just really provided the world with so much more value than what I was doing. So I decided, you know, it's time to hang up the skates. Let's start helping people out. Let's start changing lives. I love it, man. And, you know, this isn't the first time I guess you've had 
a, a period of change before we started talking. You you mentioned you were old as a freshman. So I guess take us back to, you know, this first transitional change. That's a lot of what we're talking about at What's Next. So your first period of What's Next, I'm guessing you were playing juniors before college or what was that process for you? Yeah, man, I was an old fart. I, uh, I played juniors till I was 21. <laughs> it was uh, way too old to play juniors till I was 21. Uh, came into Quinnipiac as a freshman at 21 year old, uh, at 21 years old. Um, so literally in the dorm at 21, able to buy alcohol, do adult stuff with 17, 18 year old kids running around. So it was a different experience coming to college at 21 years old, honestly. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Only in perspective. Um, so at, at your time at Quinnipiac, I mean, I know we had a, a pretty solid program. Were you there for the, the Yale, the Yale game, right? The national championship, right? Or, or right before it? No, I was there for um, actually both of the national championship game losses. I I am a double loser. Uh, <laughs> that cuts deep. That cuts deep, man. It cuts deep. You know, it, it's tough. It's tough for sure. But yeah, I was part of that inaugural team, and and um, those losses, those two losses, actually served as some of the best lessons I've ever learned in my life. So. Yeah, we, we, we are starting to hear that with uh, some of the interviews we had. We just had, got off one um, with Heather Bennett, who played at UConn. And kind of on the inverse, she had, you know, infinite wins and undefeated seasons. So we like to dive into her perspective of failure. But, you know, you do mention the, the failure teaching you. And we'll, we'll get to kind of your life changes and where you are now. But I guess talk through those experiences when you're in college and you're kind of caught up in, in the soup, as they say, uh, you know, how, I guess, did you have that perspective early on or you, is there something more you look back at now and you're like, wow, that, you know, I did grow from it. You know what? It was really good question, by the way. And actually Heather was awesome. So if she's listening, great job. Awesome. Awesome job. But, um, no, the first time I lost, um, we lost the frozen four, probably the hardest thing I've ever been through my life. It took me, and to be, to be completely honest, I spent that entire summer um, in my pool, just on a floating device. And I kid you not, it was every single day. Didn't work out, didn't touch the ice, just laid there. It was devastating. The second time around, I think within 12 hours of losing, I was smiling. I was enjoying life. I was able to appreciate the opportunity to go to a Frozen Four, such a special thing to play in a national championship game. So it was definitely a, a perspective I gained later on in life, which actually stemmed from um, being able to come back to Quinnipiac for a fourth year. So, and if you guys don't mind, I'm going to dive into this. Um, I had three years of eligibility going into Quinnipiac. I played juniors until I was 21, and unfortunately, if you played juniors after you're 21 without taking a single class, you become ineligible. Now, the games I played were actually the championship series, a five-game series in the USHL Clark Cup. And at the time, I was faced with the decision of, hey, listen, you can help your team win a championship by playing these five games, or you can have another year of eligibility. And I kind of just took the five games and said, you know what? I love this team. I'm passionate. I would love to help this team win a championship game. Fast forward a few years later, I forfeited a year of, of eligibility. So after my junior year, I was done. That was it. I graduated. I went home. I had no idea what I was going to do. And um, about... A week, no, not even a week, honestly, two days, two days before the season, before we had to be at Quinnipiac, before we had a report, before syllabus week, I got a call from a head coach saying, hey, um, I think I submitted an appeal, an NCAA appeal in about May. I think you might have won the appeal. 
uh, I think you might have another year. So I was fortunate enough to have my fourth year back, and that fourth year actually was that um, the final Frozen Four year, year for us. So, so that that helps. It's a kind of a renowned year. It's a second life, right? So you can kind of understand why you would go into something with that perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, just absolute gratitude and and just you know, be again beyond grateful for the opportunity to even be back at school and to be able to have that experience, you know, when I was really wrestling with whether I should go back to school or not. So one, um, one question quickly, and you might have one too, is just before we get into life after school, what, uh, what did you study in school? And, uh, and I'd be, uh, I'd be stupid not to ask your perspective on studying, you know, being so old as a freshman, you talk about people going back to graduate school, whether it's right after college, they don't really get the perspective they work a little bit, then they come back. It's like you almost had a, a baked down version of that, of, of growing old, 21 and going to college. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I went into school with, you know, being out of school for three years. I honestly actually get this. I took my SAT at 19. No, 20. 20 years old in a class from a 16 year old taking my SAT. Um, and yeah, I guess, sorry, I got my degree in marketing. Um, that fourth year I went back, I went to get my MBA, um, didn't really work out. And I finished with just a few classes in entrepreneurship and that was it. And, you know, I think a lot of people mentioned that when they go to school, they have no idea what they want to study. And I really didn't, you know, I first dove into psychology. I realized that the schooling after my undergrad in psych would be really extensive and I wanted to play professional hockey. So I just didn't think that was an option. And marketing was just something that really grabbed my attention. So, sure. I mean, I, I think, yeah. yeah, you got the sense now of of you building a personal brand, um, which I guess we, we we can segue into now. Talk about, um, you know, the the period I guess after school, um, and we can go back if we need to. But the right now, the period after school where you've identified now as a hockey player, you've had that second chance on life. You're super pumped on you know getting that one year what's what's it like when the skates are ripped off i mean you you had a chance to play but talk about those years where you're not with the buddies not with the team um playing with your, bro- your older brother you know the, the those uh, initial years after school yeah um so this is the second year and i played one year professional hockey in france and that was an incredible experience and this is the first year you know my first year out of hockey and um, I actually attend, and I was fine with it. You know, I was fine with life after hockey because it was such a powerful choice. The thing that pulled me away from hockey was so strong um, that I was beyond comfortable with it. And it wasn't until I actually went to a Rangers Islanders game with a dear friend that you know I saw my old teammates playing, saw some friends playing, and I was like, "Wow, did I make the right choice?" You know, was leaving the game at 26 at the prime of my career the the best, the best decision. And I really wrestled with it for like a day. And the next day I woke up and I was like, you know what? That's good. Life after hockey is amazing. You know, this is the first time in my life that I haven't, you know, as an athlete, this is the first time in your life where no one is telling you what to do. Not only is no one telling you what to do, no one is telling you who to be or where you need to be. And this complete freedom is, um, is absolutely incredible. You know, along with the, the goal that I have, the drive that I have for my company, my business, um, the passion that I'm pursuing, it's, um, the transition has been actually very seamless. Alex, is, is that kind of the, uh, the culture, um, within hockey, especially at Quinnipiac and I'm sure some other big times programs is, is, is everyone really 
I'm going to play hockey at the next level. And then if it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll put the pieces together, you know, in that moment. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, um, and that's kind of exactly it. You know, I think nine out of 10 guys will go on to play pro hockey, even if that's playing at the lowest level, right. um, literally making peanuts. Um, it's just hockey is with any sport is so embedded in, in who you are. It's an absolute identity that to let go of it is really hard. And a lot of guys have a tough time letting go of hockey. I actually have a client right now um, who just finished hockey. Actually, sorry, he got cut from a team and his pro career is over. And now he's literally picking up the pieces. He's scrambling, you know, reaching out to everyone he can for advice, for a job, for whatever it may be. So it's for hockey, for a lot of guys, it's all or nothing. Right. Is that is that a message that you would want to re- relay back to current student athletes, current hockey players? Is that, you know, would your would your transition have been easier if there was more of a balance? Would it or would that was it a catch 22? Is it like you're not giving your everything for hockey if, if you're if your head is elsewhere? That's a really tough question. That's a really tough question. And to answer that in all honesty. I think whatever you do as an athlete, you have to give it 110%. You have to. It's, it's what you love. The same way you love a friend, a family member, a girlfriend, boyfriend, you're going to give them 110%. And, you know, your sport, especially if you play up to the collegiate level, like you need to give it your all because you don't want to walk away from the sport saying, I give it 50%. You don't because you have that regret and hold on to it the rest of your life. You know, what if I didn't go out all the time? What if I just worked out, did that extra rep in the gym or gave a little bit more on the ice or on the field, you know, you will hold that regret with you your entire life. So my advice is when you're in the moment, when you're playing your sport, give 110%, give it your heart and soul. Yes, there's life after that. But when you're in the moment, that's what makes you happy. Now for life after sports, what's next? The biggest thing that I've discovered, the biggest thing that I've learned, the biggest thing that I teach people is that the actual career you take on in a sense, is irrelevant. What's the most important thing to do after you step out of your playing field, step out of what you've known your entire life, is to ensure that you are happy. Is to ensure that whatever you're doing is fulfilling you, is bringing you joy and happiness, and so forth and so on. Because if you're sitting there at a desk cranking out numbers, and you're watching the hockey game, the baseball game, whatever it may be, and you're not enjoying life, that's a very catastrophic place to be in that's a recipe for danger i I think i think what you're saying right there is really important it's been kind of an underlying theme i think in a couple interviews at least that's what i've taken away from some is that we're us as college athletes we're actually more prepared for life after sport than we give ourselves credit for so i think we're all i think we're all looking for that answer like what is the step-by-step for me to be prepared to take on this job or this career. And then, like you're saying, you kind of lose that, um, that in the momentness of while you're playing. Um, but it turns out, at least from what uh, we've gauged from a lot of people we've spoken to, is like what we've done in the sport and what we've done time managing and learning all those skills, we're actually pretty prepared to kind of figure it out after. Um, which I think is really important for people to hear that are struggling with some anxiety about that. Absolutely. That is and such a good point, man. I wish I could give you a high five right now. Um, <laughs> you can give an air, air high five. Skype um, high five. That is, that is such a good point. 
you know, um, people talk about, you know, well, I give my whole life to the sport and, you know, what do I have to show for it? Well, for most of us, we've got to see, you know, the entire United States. you got to travel away from home. you got to connect with people on such this deep level where you cry with them after every single season, you know. And the lessons you learn along the way, like you said, from time management, from dedication, from commitment, whatever it may be, is so strong that you are prepared for life. You are prepared for the next step. And you've been on your own since you were, you know, 17, 18, whatever it may be. And the adversity, I mean, the most important thing is the adversity you face while playing a sport, you know, playing through an injury, coming like, you know, having a comeback season, a comeback game. That adversity is immeasurable. You cannot put a price tag on that. And you could tra- it translates to everything, right? You can translate it to your personal life after with relationships that you're in. You can translate it to troubles with your boss. You can translate it to any kind of transition. So it's like, um, it's like that those experiences really are more valuable than what we give them credit for at the time, I feel like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Two, two questions. We, we, we talk about the gut feeling. I think that's something when we had Kevin Tarka on, he was kind of a, I get the gut and I, and I go right to it. And it's, you know, there's kind of, there's books out there, the obstacle is the way. Can you first talk about one, when was, the, when was that gut feeling starting to settle in where, you know, maybe this isn't right. And, and did you chase it right away or did you put it off a little bit and talk about the effects of your choice, I guess, afterwards? As far as letting go of hockey? Yeah, yeah. I guess when when did you start to feel it? And then I guess when did you make your decision? So it's actually kind of a crazy story. Um, I was actually at a Tony Robbins seminar. Um, and for those of you athletes who are looking for more in life or kind of lost, I just recommend stopping by um, and just visiting Tony Robbins, reading up his, picking up his book, a podcast, or maybe a really influential guy. Um, but I was at a seminar and actually I ran into someone who on the spot, we just connected and on the spot, he, he, I felt comfortable raising the question and said, listen, I have this, this emerging business as a coach where I'm changing people's lives day in and day out. And then I'm also a professional hockey player, you know, on the cusp of the next big step in my career. Um, I don't know which one to pick. And on the spot, he kind of took me through a fun little process to, to word it kindly. And, um, and I made the decision slowly right there. And there's kind of a deeper story to it. And, and I love to share it's kind of long. But once you grab hold of something, once you are something really resonates with you, it's best to go with it. It's best to stick with it and just and not look back. You know, the decision you make to to go to a school, like commit to it and not look back. You know, whether it's giving up another sport to commit to a single sport. Stick with it and not look back. I love it, man. And, you, you know, you were touching on a story there. And I'm assuming you don't just stumble upon a Tony Robbins seminar. It's a one, it's a financial investment. It's a mental investment. So I guess talk about, if you don't mind, I guess why why you choose to take that first step and take a leap and go go to something like that. And, you know, I think we'll dive into the effects afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one thing I learned through college, through having that second opportunity at college um, to go back to Quinnipiac my fourth year. Um, and I'm going to kind of make the story a little bit long here. When I first went back to Quinnipiac, um, I didn't go back, you know, openly. There was hesitation. When I got that call that said, hey, you might have, you know, another year of eligibility. 
but you have three days to come back to school. Not only do you have three days, three days to come back to school, but you have to pay for school entirely. The entire thing. Now, before that, I had my school paid for. And before I went to college at 18, 19, I made a commitment to myself that I would pay for school no matter what. I would not allow anyone, parents, to pay for school. So to get back there, I had to, to get back just my flight to Quinnipiac. I had to max out my credit card completely. No money. When I got there, I, for the first three, four weeks, I was sleeping on my girlfriend's couch. And I was so broke that I was eating rice and beans every single day. That's all I could afford. Now, during this time, I had to hustle. I had to grind. And slowly but surely, I worked my way up. It's kind of funny. Uh, I used to hustle on Craigslist. So I'd flip stuff on Craigslist all the time. Um, you know, whether it was little stuff like a uh, small TV all the way up to furniture, uh, all the way up to a car. I would just flip my way up. And during this time, actually, if you guys remember, Mike Delhue is an awesome guy. He had this little three-wheel scooter that I would ride around Hampton. Just, it was a dollar to fill up on gas. Um, that was my ride. That was my only source of transportation. Moved into an apartment. For the first month, I just had a mattress on the floor. Um, I had one light in my room. I had a blanket and a pillow. That's it. So I'm a senior at Quinnipiac getting my MBA, playing Division One hockey, flipping on Craigslist at 5 in the morning till midnight, flipping in between classes, sleeping on the floor, sleeping on a mattress on the floor. And, you know, I gave up a job where I was – my clients were professional athletes, um, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, CEOs of Billabong, Rip Curl, like really influential people. And I gave it up for this opportunity just to play one more year of hockey. And – during this time, as you can imagine, it was really challenging. You know, I'm 25, I'm in college, I'm sleeping on the floor, what am I doing? And slowly but surely, I found out that the more I grew personally, the more challenges I faced, the more uncomfortable I, uncomfortable I became, the more I grew, not only on the, from an internal standpoint, but on the ice, in the classroom. My friendships grew, my relationships with my girlfriend improved, you know, my friendships, um, outside the classroom, outside the rink, just grew. Everything in my life grew. So what I learned that year coming back was that the more I grew internally, the more I grew externally, the more my life became better. So from that point forward, that senior year, you know, that experience of having nothing, being dead broke, eating rice and beans, um, as a D1 athlete, you know, taught me that I needed to grow. So the seminar was a no-brainer, and actually it was a gift to me uh, from a friend because they knew how much I, I liked growth, sorry, growth growth. And, um, and that was that, you know, and at this seminar, um, it was just, it was just nonstop growth. It was nonstop growth and, and self-discovery. So I love it, man. And, and has this, I mean, anybody, and we'll, we'll plug the Instagram, Alex minor Baron. I mean, this, this guy is a positive son of a bitch. I'll tell you like up early in the morning. I mean, was this, was this the kind of teammate guy you were? I mean, did you, were you, have you always been this is up in, up and going. I mean, there has to be some some other side here and there, right? Yeah. Um, honestly, Neil, I wish I could say it was. Uh, I think I would have helped a lot of teams, a lot of teammates along the way if I was like this. But no. Um, no, my entire life I was someone who was unhappy, who was truly unhappy in life, and um, no, it, it wasn't until I got that second chance. And that truly was the second chance in life that I started to turn the page. 
you know, and even even so, while well, I was at that senior year in Quinnipiac, um, I had, was during my senior year in Quinnipiac, I still teetered back and forth between this guy who was positive, who was you know obsessed with growth, and I had moments of just just low, of just my old self. And even furthermore, when I went to France, it wasn't until my girlfriend uh, broke up with me, which absolutely devastated me. I was in France playing professional hockey, the pinnacle of my career. I think leading my team in points as a D-man, things were going great. <clears throat> my girlfriend broke up with me, and it was really at that moment that, you know, I decided, okay, great. This is a lot of pain. This is the girl I'm supposed to be with. This girl we're gonna, I was going to move in with. Um, and I felt so much pain that at that point I decided, you know, I'm either going to live the rest of my life to the highest of my ability. Every day I'm gonna wake up and give myself 110%, whatever that is, whether that's saying hi to someone, whether that's working out, whether that's feeding my body, it doesn't matter. Or, or I'm gonna party for the next month. I'm gonna party for the next month and see what happens. I mean, actually not the next month, I'm gonna party the rest of my life. Every day I'm gonna just get intoxicated, go wild, and if I do that, I understand that my life's gonna be short, I'm not gonna have a lot of relationships. Um, the relationships I have are going to be meaningless, and but life will be fun and it'll be short. <clears throat> and I said, "Okay, great. You're in a lot of pain. Listen, let's do this. For the next month, for the next 28 days, just live. Just take option A. Live your life to the absolute fullest of your ability every single day and see what happens. See what that looks like. See what results from this." <clears throat> 28 days later, I think I read about 20 books. I was meditating for about three hours a day. I was exercising. I was having meaningful conversations. I was apologizing to people in my past that I've hurt. And it was that point forward that I became the person I am today. The point when I just felt too much pain, when I, when I just broke and said, you know what, no more. I'm not living like this ever, ever again. And, you know, a lot of people now see like, okay, you're being positive. Like why? Like you, you're the successful guy. You've had, you went to two frozen four, you know, you were, you've done this and this, you've accomplished so much. Like, like, why are you sharing the story? Because for many athletes like myself, I know that the story isn't as beautiful as it seems. I know that as much as it seems like, you know, having 4,000 fans cheer you on every single game or winning an ECAC championship or sorry, league championship or winning this and that is fantastic. Wow. Life must be amazing. It's not a lot of us struggle internally with so much, you know, my message today to the world and, and when people say like, oh damn, you're so positive, I wasn't. I used to hate life, hate it. Even when I was winning, I used to hate life. So at that moment, you know, when I had that breakup, when I felt that immense sense of pain, that's when I decided no more. I'm gonna become this new person for the rest of my life and I'm gonna share my story to the absolute fullest in hopes that it'll change other athletes' lives, other people's lives. Alex, that's, that's such, such a powerful message. There's so many things in there that I think our listeners are going to be able to digest and just just relate to. Um, one thing I want to go back to is what you were what you were talking about when you when you were, you were when you were given this second chance um, and the way you described that year. Most people would think about that year and be like, "This is terrible. Look how much I'm struggling. Like I don't have any money." Like, what am I doing with my life? And you describe that year in almost the opposite way. Like, that was a really meaningful time for you. That's where a lot of your growth and development happened. Whereas on the flip side of that, like, 
the the glamorizing part of your life almost before that like i'm this you know big shot scholarship d1 hockey player frozen four all this stuff like that part and whatever parts came before it that kind of people saw on the outside maybe weren't weren't really what was going on for you but then you have this part of your life where most anyone would see it with the naked eye and be like you know what is this guy doing he's really struggling and you're like no that was it for me that helped me so much to grow and i think it just goes back to like any type of growth you you can't you can't be pre- prepared for it because that's kind of how growth happens it just has to be almost organic and then you look back and reflect on it so i just found that so interesting that the the struggle was the the glory in you kind of in your own recovery from yourself so that was really powerful for me. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Love it, man. Um, I think we'll use that as the segue, I guess, into what you're doing now. Right? Um, we'll, we'll take a, um, a quote. We had Adam Greenberg on, and he's talking about the keys to perseverance. And it's funny when you're talking about that. Um, what do you say? In times of adversity, look for ways to help others get back up. They'll do the same for you. It looks pretty similar to what you're doing now at alexminerbaron.com. So if you don't mind, for our listeners, talk about what, what's going on, AlexMinerBaron.com? It's pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, thanks, man. It's um, it's funny. I get asked this question. You know, what is you know the acronyms A and B? Um, you know, what is it? What does it stand for? And basically, to be completely honest, you know, it's just my life story. What I just told you. You know being able to overcome these obstacles, being able to be real with yourself and being able to understand there's a better way of living, that we're all capable of living a happier, healthier lifestyle. Now, I don't just mean let's get fit and jacked. No, not even. Actually, the complete opposite. It's are you waking up every single day and enjoying life? No? Great, let's work on it. Let's grow. So at AMB with Alex Minor Baron, what we do is just teach people how to live life to the fullest, how to show up as their best self every single day. Because if I asked you both, Neil and Ant, you know, if you guys were at your best self every single day, every second of every single day, what would you be capable of? Probably anything. Absolutely anything, right? Which is a pretty exciting feeling. Now it's just how do I get there? And that's what we're doing is we're teaching people, whether it's mastering your body, if you're someone who just feels so sick and so tired all the day because you know you're out of shape great we will show you how to fix that um i have a first background in strength conditioning mobility work yoga um, nutrition all that kind of stuff and at the same time i also have this this great knowledge of of how to master your mindset and what we're doing is you know the real purpose and and the founder you call me a founder ceo whatever you want to call me uh, what I'm doing is just assembling a team of people that share the similar mindset of elite coaches and athletes and influencers, you know, even college students who are just inspired to make a change in life, who are inspired to grow, who are inspired to break the norm and live a life that they truly love day in and day out, no matter what happens. You know, to share this gift, like I just lost my laptop on the verge of my most successful month, on the verge of literally juggling four, five, six, seven, eight different business ventures within my company, lost my laptop. Great, you know what I did? I put on a power suit, I don't know if you guys saw this Instagram, but I put on a suit and said, just made a fun Instagram story about it and just went and got a new laptop. Now I didn't have the money to buy a new laptop, but I did, I found a way. 
and I enjoyed the whole process. It was a ton of fun. Losing my laptop was one of the funnest days of my life this year. It was amazing. I got to put on a suit and great. Now, imagine if everyone had that same ability, that same capability to lose a laptop, to lose something that they love, that they cherish and smile through the process. What an amazing world we'd live in where that would be a possibility for everyone. And that's what we're trying to teach. Now, I'm not telling everyone to lose your laptop. Please don't lose your laptop. It actually wasn't as great as it seems. Um, we're recording this interview. But, we got to post it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, and that's essentially what we do is just teach people how to live at their highest state, their highest being all the time. Alex, how did, um, you know, as you're starting your organization, your company, how did you team up with some of those professionals that work um, in, in triage with you? So I, it seems like, you know, you've got nutritionists on staff, you've got strength, strength and conditioning people on staff. How did you, how were you able to network those different fields and uh, bring them all on board and get them um, to buy into the same message that you as the kind of uh, the head of this see? Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of, that's a really good question. It was more so, these are people that I knew. Um, you know, one of them is my absolute best friend, a guy who have actually, we had the same idea um, in college. Um, but a lot of these people, it was kind of more like a monkey see, monkey see, monkey see, monkey do type thing. You know, where they saw the change in me and they're like, okay, hey, that's kind of cool. Like, what are you, what are you doing? This is awesome. Can I be a part of this? And, uh, and that was the biggest thing. You know, I think, Networking is awesome from a business standpoint. And I did reach out to some people. I just DM'd them on Instagram. I was very nice. I said, hey, you know, I like what you're doing. Would you want to be part of something bigger? And they just said, yeah, sure. Like, what do you got? And then once you kind of broke it down for them, they're like, this is a really cool message. Sure. Um, but, you know, it was, again, it was more so like, hey, this is what I believe in. This is what I like to achieve in my lifetime. Would you like to be a part of this? Would you like also to learn how to grow and live this lifestyle? And a lot of people just said yes. Beauty and just asking, right? Mm-hmm. Alex. Very simple. Just, um, just for our listeners, can you kind of paint um, like a vivid, a vivid picture of, of the structure of your work? So like who walks in the door, kids, adults, and then they, they get – consultation from you or they see the person the services that they're there to see and just kind of like what that looks like in real time yeah absolutely so um we do have an athletic division that's one thing i'm re i i really enjoy is strength training for athletes um so i do work with you know athletes from 12 all the way to professional athletes as a strength coach it's a ton of fun um also as well as uh nutrition consultation nutrition uh overhaul any kind of nutrition advice and same, same type of target demographic. Um, so there's a big athletic division to what we do, um, what I do personally. And then there's also kind of the general population. Now this one varies because athletes are very linear in their approach to success and their approach to their goals. Their goals are very, you know, straightforward point A to point B, point B to point C. I want to go play college and play pro so forth and so on. It's great. Let's get you faster. So forth and so on. But, for regular clients, it's more so uh, it depends. This is why the team is so important because I might get a client who is, you know, incredibly overweight and says, hey, I want to lose weight. Okay, great. That's a very simple process. Or you might get someone who is, you know, flirting with depression. 
flirting with suicide. Now that's a whole different aspect, and that's where we'll bring in, you know, um, our psychology guy, myself. Um, you know, we have an NLP practitioner, uh, life coach that we reference a lot, um, and that's it. All it's basically <clears throat> all dependence on your goals, what you need, and our ability to service that. So again, we have a physical location in Cromwell, Connecticut, where people can walk into the gym mm-hmm. uh, and train. Um, you know, or I have a lot of online clients that I work with that I spend, you know, an hour on the phone with every week and, and talk to, uh, from that standpoint. Do you, do you find both avenues, the physical in the space, people that show up to the facility and the people that you communicate with, uh, telehealth wise, does that, you know, do you find one? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, <laughs> I have a mental health background, so we, yeah. uh, we kind of throw that jargon around a little bit, but um, do you find one beneficial? Do you have to do you have to buy into both? Like, what um, or does it depend on your need? It's it's all depends on your need. It all depends on what you can handle. Um, you know, and as we grow and as we progress and we take on more clients and and learn more about just basic human behavior and what people need to achieve this goal to live the higher state of life, it all depends on your goal. You know, we might have someone that, again, that comes in and says, I want to lose weight. But really what they're saying is that I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy right. with my condition in life. Um, so it is very, very goal-oriented. Love it, man. Um, can you talk about, I guess, you, you, you see some insane progress on these, these people that you're working with, whether it's they're just happier their next day. Um, I, I like the one guy you always post the big tuna and he's like dropping weight left and right. Uh, talk about, I guess that, that feeling and a lot of people on the business side about, you know, find it, you know, finding flow. But when you're, when you're climbing out of this, this rut that you're in, and I know there's setbacks and there's drawbacks, there's the, the year that's given to you. And then there's the France experience, but talk about what those little wins feel like, you know, they're different for every person, but I guess the amount of people you've worked with and yourself, you know, how do you know, I guess you're on the right track, you're, you're pursuing a passion or you're, or you're just making progress from where you were at yesterday? Good question. It's, it's a funny question. It, it's a, it's a challenging question because everyone's definition of success in a win is different. You know, I have some clients that have insane breakthroughs where they'll quit smoking. Well, they will jump on a plane and, and fly to another country where they'll get a divorce you know, uh, on the spot, it gets, it'll varies. And I have some where they just maybe lose two pounds and for them, that's an absolute win. The most important thing is that you are progressing forward. Like you said, you know, it's, it's just little micro wins time after time after time and enjoying the process and getting to a state that's higher than you were before. Even if it's just the tiniest, tiniest shift, again, one pound, um, an hour, more of happiness a week. That is a win. And one thing I do is I talk a lot about micro wins. I think that's what you were getting at. You know, these micro wins, losing a pound, uh, being happier for an hour a week, learning, you know, picking up a book every now and then, uh, they stack up over time, making your bed every morning. They stack up over time, you know, and they build and they build and they build until they form into a habit. And that's the biggest thing that we teach is, is helping our clients get into a habit of winning. Because once you get into a habit of winning, it's hard to break it. When you lose, when you don't, when you step outside of your comfort zone, when you step outside of what you your habit is, whether, again, that's something simple as making your bed, reading a book, eating healthy, it feels uncomfortable. And immediately you'll pull back into that 
progressive state where you are winning all the time. I think that's that's kind of the beauty of uh, of what you're doing. A lot of professionals in a lot of fields, their their success is measurable by you know like a, for educators by their students test scores or for people working in the corporate world like the numbers that they meet by a certain deadline like i guess for you it's very visible in that the retention you have with your clients is of telltale sign of is what i'm doing working and their feedback to you is how you would tweak or how you would move forward with kind of any progress or changes within your company it's you know it's much more um, like workable, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, that's one thing I love about this company is that the the goals we have, they're not set in stone. You know, as long as you are helping people, as long as you're impacting lives, as long as you're growing in the process, like that's that's a win. That's a successful month, that's a successful fiscal year. You know, great, we do one million in revenue. Awesome. Did we change 1 million lives? No, it's not a successful year. You know, our growth is dependent and our success is dependent on our, again, our ability to impact this world and to change lives and to improve lives. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, how, uh, so you, what you're on, you're on Instagram. How can, um, people online find you on your site? You know, what, what how can they reach you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They can reach me on Instagram. It's just my name, Alex Minor Baron, M I N E R B A R R O N dot com. Or sorry, Alex Minor Baron. And then uh, through my website, Alex Minor Baron dot com. Um, those are the two easiest ways. I'd love to give up my phone number, but I don't think that's the best idea. <laughs> We've had people do that before, and there's this bank, at least on the early stages when the listening counts were low, it was like a couple people called them, and it was, it was cool, but. Hey, who knows? This thing may blow up and you might have to get a new cell phone and you just lost your laptop. So uh, <laughs> he's gone radio silent. <laughs> and I know you got one. Yeah, Alex, just uh, this is kind of an important question that we that we'd like to get a, a response from a lot of people that we talk to is if you could um, if you could talk to a current student athlete, a junior or senior who's uh, toying with the idea that their playing career is going to come to an end. Uh, what kind of takeaway, what kind of messages do you have for them? And couple that with, uh, or follow that up with other, other athletes that might be struggling with some mental health issues, some mm. depression or anxiety, substance abuse issues, things like that, that might not be seen on the surface of I'm a division one athlete, just kind of how would, you know, what's some advice that you have for, for those populations? Mm, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, be patient. I mean, there's, you know, when you graduate college, unless you are me, unless you're an old fart like me, um, you're going to be, what, 23, 24th oldest? Be patient. There's no there's no rush to sprint to a job and sprint to a, a nine to five. You know, go travel the world. Actually, I have a really good friend, um, Tom Hilbrick. I don't know if you guys remember him. He is... Um, one of the smartest men I know. And I think he actually won this massive marketing award from Quinnipiac, and he is someone who's going to make tons and tons of money and have a huge impact on this world. So, so, so successful. And immediately after college, he moved to Idaho, and he's, I think he, Idaho or Boise, we're at Montana, someplace over there in the Midwest, in the, in the Rocky Mountains, and he is just a, 
you know, he's teaching people how to, to white water raft, how to ski. He's working ski slopes and, and, you know, minimal jobs, but just maximal enjoyment of life. And that's it. And, and he's really, he's 26 and he's really embodying that there's no rush. Just find yourself, your whole identity, you know, let's say you start playing at six years old and you finish at 23. My mask can be bad here. Is that 18 guys? 16, 17? What is that, 18? Some of that, right? doesn't matter. You, you, plenty you of years. <laughs> plenty of years. You've played your sport for 15 to 20 years. That is your entire life. That's, your, that's all you've known. And to step into something new is going to be challenging. So be patient. Find yourself. Travel the world. Discover who you are and what you want out of life before you step into something that's already going to be given to you. Your life's going to be locked into something. Yeah, that, decomp- that decompression is so, it seems so important because a lot of people, they never have that chance to just, like, you're just kind of getting pulled with the tides, right? <laughs> you leave one thing and now yeah. you're associated to, I'm no longer an athlete, I'm a marketer and that's who I am. And I never really took the time to identify myself between the gaps. Neil, that's an amazing point. Identify yourself, with, wow, that's a really good point. I'm going to write that down. Uh, identify yourself between the gaps. That's exactly it. Just find out who you are and, and what you love in this world outside of your sport, you know, and then for those athletes who are struggling with mental issues, um, emotional issues, you know, whether you are finishing college, in co- uh, just starting college, whatever it may be, is don't be afraid to voice it. Just because you play, you're a Division one athlete or a collegiate athlete does not mean you have to live up to a standard that, you know, your collegiate society sees you as. You're a human. You're a young adult. You're a kid. Seek help. Ask. I think that's that's important, man. I think a lot of our athletic ins- instincts take over, and asking for help is disguised as us being weak, you know? Um, so I think it's important for athletes to hear messages of other athletes who have been through a struggle, you know, whatever the struggle was. Um, whether it was a mental health issue, a family issue, um, you wanted to quit your sport, you know, whatever. Um, but I think those are important messages because I don't, I don't know if they're out there or publicized enough. So it's important to hear you say that. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And if any athletes listening, um, feel free to reach out to me. You know, I will definitely drop what I'm doing and jump on a phone call with you. Oh man. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely put that in. We'll, we'll, uh, link up to your site. Um, you know, that consultative approach you talk about where you take the time to dissect what's going on with them. I definitely want our listeners to take advantage of that. So, um, appreciate that offer. That's, that's huge. Um, and now pivoting off that you clearly are down to help some of our listeners. How, how can our listeners help you? How can we help you here at what's next? Uh, to be honest, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I said this before when the show, I had a friend, a collegiate friend who's having a challenging time with uh, life after hockey and they said, you know, we should do something about it. We should create a group, a message to share to other athletes. And I said, listen, go check out the What's Next podcast. That's exactly what they're doing. And, um, you know, you guys bringing athletes on here, successful athletes um, in their own right is just such a powerful thing. So you guys, thank you so much for what you're doing. Again, um, it's just an amazing thing, honestly. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Um, so we're hoping... Whatever you said helps our listeners figure out what's next for them. Um, what we want to ask you, 
what's what's next for you in your life personally or with your company what's yeah the next step absolutely the next step is just to spread this message is to get my laptop back first and foremost <laughs> it's the immediate step that's the immediate step no and then to and just and to continue to spread this message and grow and actually um i will be i will be a hosting not hosting sorry i'll be um speaking at my first seminar um coming in january in vancouver oh, so beautiful. yeah that's the next big step is that first live in, um speaking engagement and should be a ton of fun we would love we would love to get that time date and location um and get it all on our social media and whatnot too um in case anyone listens wants to attend or is in the area um that'd be great if you could hook us up with that when you get confident. oh absolutely absolutely awesome Love it, man. We uh, we appreciate you having on Alex Minor Baron. Everyone, you can check him out. We'll link up his website, his Instagram account. If you need um, a shot of coffee in the morning and you're without coffee, check out his Instagram stories. It does the trick here and there. <laughs> we appreciate it, Alex. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Great job. Thank you very much, guys. I, I really hope you enjoyed it. This was at least the first one um, for me where we really dove into, you know, the importance of mental health and you know what some of former athletes are going into, trying to re-identify themselves um, and, and find a career, find themselves after school. So really thankful for Alex getting so candid with us, um, and I guess it makes sense why he's created such a great platform for himself and a company around it. Uh, to just better the lives of any athlete or anybody just trying to better themselves. He's got his strength and conditioning aspect, his nutrition aspect, um, and his clientele ranges from anybody trying to be you know, a, a professional athlete to um, the weekend warrior or somebody just trying to get themselves back into shape. So thank you so much, Alex. We really enjoyed it. Um, quick update, he got his laptop back. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome how he, he spun that for himself to be a great day, a great experience. Well, I guess it just got better because he got his laptop back. So that was awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much. Hey, if, you, if you're and you know somebody who's who's dealing with some mental health or they're in a rut after graduating or, or during school right now, they're struggling to find themselves. If you wouldn't mind sharing this or sharing Alex's um, contact information their way, you know, they're not alone. Um, there's help anywhere. Um, and, or, you know, on our team and he, he's working with, you know, people like this a lot. So he, you can always reach out to him as well. Um, but just, you know, want to just promote how powerful you know, reaching out, raising your hand, asking for help, just like Alex says can be. Um, so I hope you guys do that too. Uh, call to action again, share this with two people, make their day better. Um, and we'll keep this thing moving. Thank you guys so much. See you next week.